Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City. I, I'm Jeannie. This is Jarrett. Uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning and I'm excited and expectant about what I believe God's going to do in our midst over the next few moments that we're together. And as Kurt just mentioned, we want to thank you for braving the elements to come to church today. Uh, normally on days like this, I don't know if you're like me, but I kind of like when it's cold and it's snowy, I, I want to hibernate. That's yes. what I want to do. And I want to like find as many blankets and, mm -hmm. and get underneath them and, and just kind of hibernate. And when I hibernate, I hibernate with HGTV. <laughs> That's who I hibernate with. Me and HGTV, mm -hmm. we just kind of, you know, get close to one another. Me and the Property Brothers on Saturdays, on. best of friends. Um, but one of my favorite shows on HGTV is House Hunters International. Oh. And I especially like House Hunters International when they're looking at beachfront properties. Yes. And, and I love participating and like kind of like cheering on which house they should select. And, you know, it's just kind of a fun little escape um, for, for a little bit of time. And, and today we're going to look at, actually, what does it look like for us to be a home? Hmm. You know, when we picture the church and when we picture kind of going to church, we picture it as a place that we go and participate in. But what if the church was actually a home? What if it was our home? What if we were the church? with one another. And I'm not sure what your experience is of church or how you grew up and how you kind of pictured going to church. But what we want to look at is what would it look like if this church, if this body, if this group of people, if this was a place that we called mm. home. And that's what we're going to look at today. And it's been fun for us uh, this weekend in our home. It's uh, been a fun weekend for us to celebrate Valentine's Day with our kids and my wife. Happy Valentine's Day to you. By the way, I don't know if I'm obligated to say that to you, but happy Valentine's Day to you. <laughs> it's a national holiday. And also uh, today, big deal, my birthday today, uh -huh. which is pretty awesome. I mean, Jeannie said, where do you want to be on your birthday? I said, up front preaching. I did not say that, guys. I did not say that. I want to be on a beach somewhere. But I'm here with you, and I'm happy to be here. So uh, th it's a fun thing and a time for us in our home. And I love birthdays, and I've had a few now. And, and um, I realize that they are more of a, a privilege than maybe I realized when I was younger. That it's a privilege. I, I really actually consider it a privilege to be given the gift of life and to celebrate and to mark that and to look ahead at this next year and say, God, if you give me one more year, what might that look like? So it's a privilege, and maybe that's you know me just getting older and I can say that kind of stuff, but I think it's the older you get, maybe the more you realize just how precious life is, how fragile even it is, especially the more you get older, how fragile your body becomes, you know, <laughs> stuff you just weren't even aware about when you were younger. In fact, some of you may know, two years ago when I turned 40, I set out and had this big list of 40 things I wanted to accomplish in my 40th year, and there, some of them were big things with God and big dreams and goals that I had, and then some were really small and seemingly obscure to you, but important to me. And one of those was I, wa I wanted to go back. There, were, there was a time in my life when I was a teenager in my 20s where I was skateboarding. I was in skateboarding a lot, and I wanted to resurrect my skateboarding career at 40. Because <laughs> it was, was quite be, the career. It was quite a career. And this was going to be the big comeback. And so, uh, and there was a couple of tricks I never learned that I wanted to learn. I figured I can do this at 40. I can do anything. And so I want you to listen to the words that are about to come out of my mouth. I want you just to consider them for a moment. So I took money from my 40th birthday 
and bought a skateboard. Just let that sit with you for a moment. I took birthday money like that I had in a little envelope and I went to the skateboard shop and I bought a skateboard because I wanted to resurrect my career. In fact, the place I went was to a skate park and I was like, you know what? I want to go to the skate park. Seems like the right place to go and skateboard. And so I went there and it's kind of pushing around a bit. I'm like, you know what? I actually want to I want to get back into the ramps. And so I, I don't know if you ever watched the X Games, you know, the half pipe thing. There was a big bowl there, maybe six or seven feet high. And I was like, I, I had one of these in my yard growing up. Like, I know exactly what to do. And so I hop up on there. And in fact, I took a picture right before I dropped in. And that's me about six or seven or so feet up, about to drop in my brand new skateboard, not even a scratch on it, uh, my brand new skateboard shoes. I had my whole skateboard outfit. I was pretty <laughs> spiffy looking 40 year old. And, uh, I dropped in, things were actually going pretty well. Like it, it was a uh, lot faster than I remember. That is, it's been about 10 years since I'd been on a ramp. So apparently that changed, they're a lot faster. Uh, and about 45 minutes into my triumphant comeback, I fell and tore my ACL. <laughs> so my comeback was about 45 minutes long. And let me tell you, there is no place you wanna be as an injured 40 year old then at the bottom of a skateboard ramp, surrounded by mocking 13-year-olds, asking them to like throw a rope down to get you out. I mean, it's not a pretty sight. Let me just put it that way. Very humbling time for me. And so that's why I realized how precious uh, birthdays are and how fragile my body is. It took me one torn ACL, one surgery, three months of physical therapy, and 45 insurance bills later to learn a lesson that this is actually a pretty important thing, my body, and that there are most days, and maybe you can relate, that we take it for granted, hmm. that we don't even think about what we depend on, what we actually count on. We don't even count the cost of what we count on every day for our body to actually work like it was meant to work. I don't know if you've ever broken a bone before in your body, never had to wear a cast before, ever had to have surgery. You're not aware of all that your body does until it can't do it anymore, true? Hmm until it doesn't do it, it just stops doing it, or at least doesn't do it like it used to do anymore. That's when we become aware of how important every part of our body is. In fact, this is what's fascinating. I want you to just take a guess, shout a guess out, at how many parts, unique functioning parts there are in the human body. Do you know, does anyone know, just kind of shout out, don't Google it, you don't need to do that, but how many parts are in the average human body? Just take a guess, there's no wrong answers here, it's not like a biology test. Well, there's actually all wrong answers except for the right one, but yeah, 260, no, more than that. Just him? Okay. Uh, so here's the deal. It's all right. You're scared. It's okay. It's, you didn't know there's going to be a pop test. Here, here's the deal. 7,500 unique parts working in your body all the time. And there's only about three to five or so that, you know, people who study the body say they don't really kind of make a difference or your tailbone's one of them. You're actually using it right now by, by sitting on it. 7,500 unique parts, all of them actually doing what only they can do. All of them working in a way that you don't even think about, but you count on every day. That's a, actually a really interesting truth about the body. That in the body, the point of every little part, all 7,500 of them, the point of every part is to play its part. Hmm. Now, you may not realize that kind of big philosophical truth, but you live it every day. Hmm. You count on it every day. The point of every part is to actually play its hmm. part. I count on my lungs to play their part every day. I count on my heart to play its part every day. I count on my ACL to act like it did 20 years ago. Like we count on every part to play its part. And so what does this kind of biology lesson have to do with our theology of the church? Well, it's actually an image that God gave us to understand how we make this place, this thing, a home. 
And God gave us an image in the Bible that I want us to just, Gene and I are going to walk through just for a few moments here that I think is a powerful metaphor that not only gives kind of new insight to your physical body, but also this idea of a spiritual body that the church is actually called and created to be. So if you have a Bible, would you grab it and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Now here's the deal. If you don't have your own Bible or have it on your phone, we actually have you covered. There should be one in your seatback or in front of you. Grab one of these gray Bibles and turn to page 799. That should fast track you there. 799 is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just quick context. We talked about this letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church, major metropolitan church in a city like Chicago, almost 2,000 years ago. We talked about it last week at length. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to them. And it was a church that was growing, but it was also starting to grow apart. It was losing its oneness that made it unique in the world. The very thing that Jesus gave his life for, for the church, they were starting to lose sight of that. And there was even some division beginning to happen within the body. And so Paul paints this picture in 1 Corinthians 12, beautiful metaphor for what we can actually be as a church. So we're, we're on page 799 and we're, we're in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start actually at verse 12. And this is what Paul says. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is <coughs> with Christ. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, I want to pause for just a minute and explain what Paul is referring to here. Paul is giving this powerful metaphor here in this letter to the Corinthians. He's saying what you have a tendency to do is you have this tendency to think that if people are different from you, then they're not a part of the same body. Mm. That's why he's, he's calling out, you know, Jew or Greek, slave or free, the Gentile. That's why he's saying, listen, you have this tendency to think that these people that are different from you, well, then you're not a part of the same body. In fact, though, what Paul is doing is he's actually teasing out a very powerful and beautiful metaphor with the human body. And he is saying, your differences... Mm -hmm. And your diversity is mm -hmm. actually what makes you a body. Hmm. Paul says that every one of you has a part to play. We have hmm. a part to teach one another. He goes on in verse 14 and he says, even so the body is not made up of one part but of many, verse 15. Hmm. Now if the foot, if the foot should say, listen, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the mm. ear should say, listen, because I'm not an eye, I don't think I belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part mm. of the body. It goes on, verse 17, if the whole body, and try and get this picture in your mind, if a whole <laughs> body were an eye, okay? If the whole body were an eye... It's really gross. <laughs> it kind of is, but yeah. don't interrupt. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Okay? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Hmm. So Paul, he goes on and, and he teases out this physical metaphor of our bodies to reveal what he longs for the spiritual body to look like. That every one of us has a part to play. We are not all supposed to be a hand. We are not all supposed to be a foot. We're not all supposed to be an eye or an ear. Every one of us is necessary to the spiritual 
body. And then he goes on in verse 19 and he says, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And then jump down to verse 27. He says this, now you, all of you, you hands and you feet and you eyes and you ears, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And so you kind of picture Paul in this letter, and he's kind of winding down this soliloquy, this letter that he's sending, and he's kind of like calling each one of these people out and saying, you, you over there, Mm. you have a part to play. Mm. And you, you too, you have a part to play. And you, what you bring to this body, it's so needed and so necessary. And we're not going to be the body unless you bring the part that only you can play. Mm. And what he's saying is, I know that some of you think that the part that you play is less significant. It's not. Mm. I know that some of Mm. you think that maybe the part that you play, it's not really shiny and spectacular Mm. and people don't applaud over your part, but your part is so needed. Mm. Or some of you think like, I don't know, I mean, is my part even wanted here? Mm. And what Paul is saying is every single Mm. one of you You are what makes the body actually the body of Christ. Mm. And if you don't play your part, we all miss out. Mm. We all miss out. And so every one of us has a part to play. I just, I I love uh, that this is how God describes the church in the world. I love that this is how he, what he does to describe, like I love that he didn't just go, all right, so here's the org chart for the church and just kind of break it down or here's your five-year plan or here's kind of your corporate structuring for how you're going to operate. Like, tell me another organization that's lasted and prevailed for 2,000 years. Hmm. And its blueprints are a body, Hmm. lots of different parts, all of them important, all of them Hmm. unique, all playing their part. What a beautiful, Hmm. powerful, transformational image that God has given. Can you imagine if the church actually operated like that? Like if it actually not only like read this or taught this, but lived it Mm. and believed it. Maybe you've been a part of a church that's been like that. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you have a different experience where the body did not look like that. Mm. Or your assumption maybe at least about church was that it wasn't like, it's not like it can't be like this. And maybe your kind of resistance to church has come from the belief that, you know, all church really is is usually, and lots of times sadly it is, or one big head, you know, up front, kind of telling everyone what to do, or in some cases, a big mouth, <laughs> telling everyone what to do and how to be. And, and then there's maybe a couple hands or feet that do all the work. Maybe you grew up in a church like that. Maybe you, you were one of those hands and feet, and you just felt like, seriously, do I have to do all this? Is anyone else going to get involved around here? Or maybe you grew up or went to a church like that where you just didn't think there was a place for you to get involved. And sadly, that's kind of how a lot of churches end up. And typically those kinds of churches, that kind of body, doesn't ever really move forward in the world. It tends to kind of stay stuck in its own space. In fact, lots of times in those kinds of bodies, there tends to be typically division. And that division, that wanting to be something that you're not or refusing to play the part that God created you to play and being a contributor to what God is doing, that division always derides the vision of the church. Hmm. That division always derides the vision of the church and erodes the vision of the church that God had that we would be a body working together in harmony. 
And that is our hope for this church. I want you to be like, to not miss this. Our hope is that we would be a body that reflects what we just read about and what God talks about again and again and again and again throughout the New Testament. That's ordinary, everyday people like you and me who have a part to play in God's redemptive plan for the world. That God's love for people comes through you and me Mm -hmm. as we play the part that God has kind of put us in to play. And this body, this Soul City Church, this church, having been around for five years yet, or new church, young church, growing church, I want you to hear this really clear. And maybe you're kind of new to Soul City Church, you've been coming now first, maybe the start of the new year, or maybe this is your first Sunday here and you're kind of wondering what we're all about. I want to break it down for you in the next two minutes. I'm going to break it down for you. This is the kind of church that we really long to be and we believe God has actually called and created us to be. In this body, in our body, we want to declare and live by our choices and our actions. In this body, we are for and with each other. We lay down our own agendas. We lay down our own stubbornness. We lay down all of our kind of old things that we used to hold on to, our old paradigms of how it's supposed to be, and we say, no, I am here, I am with you, and I am for you, because I believe that God is here, and he is with me, and he is for me, being a part of this thing called the church. And this body that we have here, Soul City Church, our diversity is not what divides us, but what defines us. Mm. I want you to hear that. That is why it is important that our church be rich in diversity, that we represent and we are all kinds of different folks because that uniqueness is really what makes a beautiful body. In this body, we actually care for each other by carrying each other. The Bible talks about this phrase that we bear one another's burdens, that we walk with each other. We care for each other. We don't just kind of come in, sit down, maybe talk during that awkward question part that freaks introverts out, and then you kind of go out and go on about your week. We actually get into each other's lives, and we care for each other by literally carrying each other. Mm -hmm. We bear each other's burdens because in this body, when one part hurts, we all hurt with them. Mm -hmm. When one person hurts, suffers a loss, we suffer with them. Mm -hmm. When one person goes through a miscarriage, we come around and walk with them. We don't try and fix it. We don't try and ignore it. We walk with them. When one person loses someone they love, we walk with them. When one person's marriage falls apart, we walk with. When one hurts, we all hurt. Mm -hmm. And when one wins, Mm -hmm. we all win. When someone grows and someone takes a big step with God, we all get to celebrate and take part of that because we're a part of this body together. And in this body, every person has a part to play. Mm. Every person, every person has a part to play. And this is what I love because in this body, listen, in this body, everybody has something to give. Mm. You do. Everybody has something to give. And this is what's encouraging. But nobody has everything. (laughs) And if you thought you weren't spiritual enough or you didn't have it all figured out or all these other people in here do and they're just waiting for you to catch up, that's not this body. Mm. In this body, everybody has something to bring, but nobody has everything. I don't, we don't have the market cornered on all this. We're a part of the body of Christ that's through this little local church. And that's the picture we believe that God has given us. It's what I actually count on. It's what you count on your body to do every day. What you didn't even realize you woke up counting on your body to do, God counts on his body to do in the world. To work together, playing its part, loving the world into relationship with God. So everyone gets Mm. to be a part of God's redemptive plan for the people that he loves. Mm. And so the question is, is what part do you get to play? It's not a guilt thing. It's not an obligation thing. 
This is about you and I stepping into a part of who God has actually created you to be. What part do you get to play? And more importantly, perhaps, will you actually do it? Hmm. Will you be a part of what God is doing in the world through the local church? Hmm. And you know, you think about everyone playing their part and what an amazing home we would create. Mm -hmm. What an amazing body gets created when every single one of us plays the part that God has asked us to play. I remember when Jarrett and I got married. Uh, we got married when we were 23 years old, and I think we had like a collective of $23 in our bank account. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love, Amen. a lot so of love yeah. to give. Yeah, still do. Still do, and uh, we were so excited when we, when we first got married, and one of the things that I was most excited about was creating our home, was creating a space where people could come and, and be with us, and uh, we rented this little two-flat uh, apartment. I brought a picture along. We lived on the second floor of this little two-flat in Barrington, Illinois. And uh, I was so excited to create this home. And obviously, I mentioned earlier that I have a love affair with HGTV. And so I had all these DIY projects like stored up that I wanted basically Jarrett to do. Yeah, because um, I want to I be clear. When Jeannie hears DIY, she means it do it yourself. Yes. It's, it's an outward and, thing as opposed to an inward thing for her. So. And so for this little rental house, I was like, oh, I want to paint this room and I want to I want to hang this picture here. And, you know, and Jarrett kept saying to me, he's like, babe, it's not ours. It's not ours. Like every wall that we paint, we have to repaint it. And every picture that we hang, we have to, you know, repair that hole. This really isn't our home. And I felt that feeling of a renter, you know, that mm. I could create a space as much as possible, but it wasn't really mine. Mm. And then we had saved up a little bit more than our $23, <laughs> and we finally were able to purchase our very first home. And this is a picture of our very first home that we purchased. And I think it was under 1,000 square mm -hmm. feet. It was like 980 square feet. And I could not wait to make this home our home, mm -hmm. to take our collective kind of ideas and really my ideas <laughs> and, and make this home our home. And I'm telling you, we painted every, every single wall. wall in that house. Let me say that again. I painted Jira painted every, every single, single wall, wall in that house. Multiple and, times. And, and, and I mean, I like it. every color was available to us to paint. And it was so much fun. And just to decorate and to, to kind of like do our kitchen. And we finished the basement in this house. And, and that home was our home. And we put ourselves into it. Mm -hmm. So that when people would come and, and be with us, they, they felt like they were a part mm -hmm. of who we were. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the amazing thing about a body. <clears throat> is that God never intended that his church, that the people of the church would just kind of be renters of the church. Mm. That they would just kind of come in and you know, like rent a seat every once in a while <laughs> when they felt like it, when the weather was all right. <laughs> If they were having a good, good month, that maybe they'd throw a few bucks in the offering plate, you know, that went by. And, you know, they would maybe meet some people and maybe hang out with those people every once in a while and set up like some dinner engagements and hang out with those people. See what that is? That's a country club. That's a country club. 
And what God called us to be is he called us to be mm -hmm. the church, mm -hmm. to own the church. Mm -hmm. To not just attend it, to, but to actually be it. Mm -hmm. To be the body of Christ as we move through this world. Mm -hmm. And five years ago when Jarrett and I were living in a comfortable life in Atlanta, actually in a beautiful home that we had mm -hmm. built. And God just wrecked our lives and interrupted our comfort and said, I have called you for more. Mm -hmm. And I want you to step out in courage. And I want you to extend my vision that has been extending in this world for over 2,000 years. I want you to extend another expression mm -hmm. of the body of Christ and there's going to be a little community of people in the West Loop of Chicago. And they're going to decide to not be renters of this vision. They're going to be owners. And when that dream invaded our lives and corrupted every way in which we had been living up until that point, and we kind of threw all caution to the wind and said, okay, God, okay, we will do it. We dreamt of a community of people that were living out the teachings of Jesus seven days of the week instead of just one. Instead of just coming into a church and for an hour raising their hands and saying, yep, I love God, I, I love everything about him, and then the other six days of their life that didn't look any different. We dreamt of a community of people that actually didn't look religious at all. <laughs> that didn't look religious at all, but they were so changed by a relationship with God and a relationship with one another. Amen. And people tasted that. We dreamt of a community of people that took seriously the needs of this city. That they didn't just come together in their comfy church service and, and talked about everything that was broken in the world and everything that was broken in the city, but they actually rolled up their sleeves and they got involved and they did something about it. Mm. We dreamt about a community of people that were actually sacrificial. Mm. They were sacrificial in their spirit. We dreamt of a community of people that when they did come together and when they did gather on Sunday, it was out of the joy and the celebration of saying, God has changed my life and all I wanna do is sing about it. Mm. All I wanna do is declare how much God is transforming me from the inside out and that our worship would be vibrant and electric and transformational. And when we dreamt of this community, when we dreamt of this community, we would dreamt of people sharing their lives with one another and really being known and choosing to know somebody else. Mm -hmm. To stop living on the surface. Mm -hmm. To stop living in a mirage of plastic. Mm -hmm. But to actually be with one another. We mm -hmm. dreamt of a community that was loving and forgiving. Mm -hmm. A community that was accepting and challenging. A community that was bold and brave and courageous mm -hmm. and hope-filled and honest and gracious and filled with faith. Mm -hmm. A community that literally said, we don't want to go to church, we want to be the church. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. We want to be the church in this world. Mm -hmm. A community of people that said, I'm an owner. Mm -hmm. I'm not a renter. In fact, I really do care what the color of the walls are around here. And I care where we hang the pictures. And I care about what happens here. 
because I own what God is doing here. And that's what captured our lives. To, to go with God and to see this thing become what this is. And last weekend, I was in Austin, Texas, and I was uh, teaching at a conference. And it was like 60 degrees, but to me, it was like prime weather for a suntan, you know? Mm. And everybody was walking around with coats on. I was like, what is wrong with you? This is amazing. <laughs> uh, and, and I found myself in a conversation with this lovely woman. Her name is Anne. And Anne lives in Canada, and we were kind of commiserating about, you know, cold winters. And we got to talking about our lives and our families and, and all of that. And um, I said, you know, Anne, tell me about the community that you're a part of, um, the church that you're a part of. And I saw just a look of sadness come over her face. And she said, oh, it's, it is dead. Mm. I mean, we go and I kind of, you know, feel obligated to go and like, I've got all these kids and I mean, they probably should go, grow up in a church, right? And mm. So I kind of pile them into the car each Sunday and we go and the music is just, it's dull and it's flat and nobody really sings except for the overly, you know, exuberant person singing <laughs> on the stage. Um, and everybody kind of like catches up on their naps when the preacher gets up to preach. And, you know, I don't even really know why we're going. <laughs> and she turned and she looked at me and she said, so tell me about your church. <laughs> and... I mean, there were like tingles all throughout my body mm. as I began to just think about you. Mm. As I began to think about this beautiful community of people that are living out the message of leading people into a transforming, a real transforming relationship mm. with Jesus. Mm. And tears just flooded my eyes as I'm with this total stranger. And I said, Anne, my church is the exact opposite of your church. Mm. I've never met a more loving group of people mm. that takes serious how Jesus describes what the body of Christ actually should look like. Mm. And friends, you are the church. Mm. You are not just renters here. You own this mission in such beautiful ways. Mm. And I am so humbled and so honored mm. to be a part of what God is doing here. Yeah. That really is what, what we looked at this morning. It's really what it's all about. It's just choosing to be what God already called and created you to be, to be part of what he's doing, to be the church. And I, I know on a day like today, especially a day like today, it takes a lot for you to get to church. So you should feel very spiritual right now because you <laughs> got to church today. And I know it's hard. You know, you have to fight against weather and seemingly sometimes it feels like God himself to get to church with weather conditions, transportation, getting here, buses, trains, cars, parking, all that stuff. If you have kids, Oh, we need just a special time of prayer for you when you get here, actually, because you know that by the time you get to church, you're going to need some church. 
<laughs> After getting those, we have littles. We brought them here this morning. I mean, it's a lot. I get it. It's a lot to go to church. It is a lot. The act of going to church takes a lot. But all that we're talking about here and all that we believe God has created and calling our church into is to know that the church is about more than just the act of going, but it's about the art of being. Yes. The church is far more than just about the act of going. It's great. That's, you got here. That's huge. It is about the art of being. Like, how can I be the church wherever I'm at? Not just when I'm at the building we call the church. But this is way more about a people than it is about a place. This is why this church is bigger than these four walls. Bigger than your preconceived notions or misconceptions about what the church could be in the world. It is people like you and me who say, okay, God, I have a part to play. I want to be the church. I want to practice this art of being the church all throughout the week, whoever I'm with, wherever I'm at. And for a while now, we've been praying through and trying to figure out how do we, how do we like communicate that? How do we articulate that? How do we kind of put a stake in the ground to say, no, we, we really are, we want to be owners of what God's doing through this church in the world. We want to own that vision. We want to be what God is doing. And so our elders, our staff, Gene and I have been working and working and working for almost two years now on what this might look like. I am so excited to kind of unveil and roll out to you what we believe to be a huge next step for our church that I think is going to be a big part in how we grow, especially in this next year and in years to come. So on your seat, there should be a little VIP invitation. You should be sitting on it, or maybe you're holding it. Maybe you already opened it. If you haven't already opened it, why don't you open it now? This is for everyone. Everyone can open this. Sounds like Christmas morning in here. And inside is a little invitation, a VIP invitation to a process that we are calling ownership, process of ownership, the art of being the church. And you can see on there, there's a little description, definition of that, then an invitation to go to a page that we've created to help you kind of get started in this process of ownership. And this is what's really fun. You are, this little VIP invitation you're holding, you are the first folks to hear about this at our church. I mean, other than the 10 o'clock service. And then the 831 before that. But other than them, you are the first people to really hear about this. And let me just kind of break down what this process looks like. We've studied the scriptures. We've prayed and sought God. What does it mean to, to say that? It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an owner, I'm in. But what does that really look like? And so we've kind of tracked what we really believe to be the kind of five marks, or five at least significant marks, commitments to someone who's in a transforming relationship with Jesus. And these five commitments, when we're able to say, yeah, that's me. You can count on me. That is me. That is how we kind of mark and say, okay, I'm, I'm an owner of what God's doing here. Those five commitments I'm going to walk through real briefly. If you've been around it all over the last five weeks, they're going to sound real familiar because it's everything we've been teaching for the last five weeks. First is that I'm in a grace-based relationship with Jesus. That's huge. I commit that I'm in a grace-based, like it's about what he's done for me through the cross, through the tomb, what we set our hearts towards this Wednesday night, towards Easter. That's what it's all about for me. I'm in on that. Second is I, I, I'm all in about being in a transforming relationship, that I'm committed to be growing in this relationship with God, to doing what only I can do while God does what only he can do for my growth. Third commitment is that I'm committed to being in biblical community. You can count on me to be a part of this biblical community. And you know what I love is this week we launched and rolled out all the small groups all across the city and all over throughout this church, all throughout the week, over 700 folks gathering every week in little circles saying, I'm in to this idea of biblical community. I'm in. Fourth commitment is to be serving, to use the gifts that God has given you, the passions, your story, to play a part in what he's doing. 
This morning, every month we do the thing called First Serve, where people who've never really used their passions and the talents and abilities before for the church can kind of get in the game of doing that. 31 people this morning showed up way earlier, way earlier than this gathering to get involved. In fact, several of them have been serving all throughout the morning. So cool to see people saying, yep, I'm in to be serving. And the last commitment we talked and looked at last week, you can go back online and watch all of these. And the fifth commitment is to be giving. I'm going to give back to a God who's already given me all that I need. It's that response of gratitude that leads to generosity. These are the five commitments of what we believe an owner, someone who's in the process of relationship with Jesus Christ really looks like. And so we created this, I think, really powerful process for people to walk through. It is a spiritual process, a transformational process for you and God and your laptop where you can kind of walk through, and we're going to roll it out over the next couple of weeks, where you can take some real time to reflect and not only mark your growth and your journey with God, but to actually spur new growth, new steps, next steps with God. And so I'm so excited to roll this out. And again, it's not for everyone. I don't think it has to necessarily be for everyone, but maybe, just maybe, that is something for you to say, you know what? No, I, I want to do that. And especially in a commitment phobia culture that we live in, where we're scared to make a two-year phone commitment. Can we maybe say that there's something bigger than all of that going on here and I get to be a part of it? Right. I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, not perfect. Far from it. But I want to play my part. I want to do what I can do and what God's doing in his redemptive plan for the people that he loves. Hmm. What a great invitation. What a great picture for us, especially as we walk into what I believe to be a huge year for our church. Some big stuff coming down the way for this body in 2015. Exciting things. Big things. And so it's going to be a really fun time to kind of lock arm in arm and say, no, we are because of God with and for each other and what he's doing through this body in this city and around the world. Hmm. And only God would create something so beautiful like the body of Christ. Only God could come up with something like that. Only God could say, you have a part to play in the redemption and the love of this world. Only God, only God would invite you and I, flawed and broken, to make things beautiful. Mm. We get to do that through the body of Christ, Mm. which is so amazing. And so I pray, I pray that you would consider turning in your rental Mm. card and exchanging Mm. it for a key of ownership. Mm. Or you say... I am in. Mm. I have a part to play. Mm. And I want to bring my part to mm-hmm. this body. So I want to invite you to stand and we're going to pray and, and worship. You know, one of the things that we do here on a regular basis is just allow our, our posture and our bodies even to, to serve as a symbol to God. And so perhaps you may want to just open up your hands to him this morning. Maybe open up your hands for yourself. Maybe even contemplate where, where you're perhaps closed or um, even just quietly say, God, I'm open. I'm open to what you want to do in and through me to play the unique part that you created me to play. And so, Father... Thank you. Thank you for this beautiful vision that's called the church. And God, we didn't create it. You did. 
You are the one that crafted this whole idea. And to think that you invited us to be a part of it, to be the body of Christ, to create a home where we can all taste and see your goodness and where we can extend your goodness in this world. Only God, only God, only you would do something like that. And so we are so grateful. Lord, we pray that you would do exceedingly more than this little body on the corner of Adams and Racine in the city of Chicago could ever even dream about. We pray that you would use us to extend your love in this world, God, to extend your love to one another. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.